Hi, I'm Jay Thomas, and welcome to Bald Tires, a proud member of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. Today, we're picking up where we left off last week with Darren Labonte. This was part two of the podcast. If you missed the first part, I encourage you to go back and listen to part number one, which is The Cat Came Back, episode 19 of Bald Tires. But today, this is called Go Out and Buy an Old Car. Darren and I get together to contrast and compare what it's like to drive an old car versus a new car. Some of our likes and dislikes with old versus new cars. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. This is Bald Tires. Because when you make great memories, you make bald tires. The Saskatchewan Podcast Network is supported by Conexus. Savings, checking, GICs, budgets, RESPs, RRSPs, TFSAs, mutual funds, credit score, emergency funds, variable versus fixed rates, compound interest, retirement, the list goes on and on. It's time to make sense of it all. At Conexus Credit Union, they want to help. Financial literacy is a critical life skill giving you the knowledge and confidence to make smart, responsible decisions about your money. Visit ConnexusMoneyTalk.ca to find expert advice, tips, and solutions for all life stages and events, and increase your financial literacy, knowledge, and confidence today. The Saskatchewan Podcast Network is also supported by Direct West. Are you a business owner looking for new avenues to promote your business? Direct West's digital billboards are a great opportunity to highlight a new product, new promotion, or anything else you'd like your customers to know about. You can get local expert marketing help for your business at directwest.com. All right, let's pick things up with Darren. I know he's got a 2018 Chev truck, so let's find out what exactly he thinks of that. What do you think, Darren? Uh, so far, it's been pretty good. Um, it, it gets good mileage for being a pickup truck. Yeah. I don't expect it to get mileage like a Chevy Sprint does, <laughs> but you know, like, or did. But, you know, like, it's been a good truck. They're nice trucks. Out of, out of the, like, I've driven like all of the big name trucks. Yeah. And I feel like they're the most comfortable driving trucks out okay. of all of them. And that, I, I mean, I'm trying not to be biased because I'm a Chevy guy, but I've driven Fords and I don't like the way they steer and I've driven Dodges and I don't like the way they ride. And, you know, like out of all the trucks, I that Toyota is noisy, I find. Like my, my uncle had a Tundra and I wasn't too impressed with it. I, I, I feel like they're probably, you know, they're, I mean, lots of people would disagree, but I, I've always liked them. So, and I've had quite a few of them. So you had, you told me this last weekend, a quadra steer. I did. Yeah. That's a like, really, I miss that truck every time I got a park. So for anybody who, who doesn't know what that is for what generation, like that was sort of like what? So 2000 and in 2001, one? well, in 2001, they did the body redesign on the half tons and they went kind of more round. That was kind of the jelly bean look that yeah. it kind of became right. Yeah. yeah. And so in 2002, they was the first year for the quadra steer and it was available on the denali trucks so your truck was all-wheel drive and yep. all-wheel steering and the denali trucks usually had a, the six liter engine the bigger engine mm -hmm. um loaded truck for its age like for at that time to get leather and power everything and air conditioning and you yeah. know a six pack cd player in the console and all. <laughs> yeah. like that was a pretty that was a loaded truck the only thing it didn't have was a sunroof and that was only because they weren't even available yep so i i had a 2003 i bought with 210,000 kilometers on Whoa. it out of calgary which is quite a bit already it is yeah it was a lot already but i only paid i think i paid five thousand dollars for it but it was very good condition and the quadrasteel still worked because it was a very problematic system. And there was trucks that like had problems in 50,000 kilometers. They were having issues with it not working. So I always made the joke that because it was a prairie truck, 
and all our roads are straight, the quadrature never had to work. <laughs> it only worked half the amount of time a truck would anywhere else in the country. So of course it had way more, way less hours on the quadrature than most trucks, right? But uh, it it worked right till the day that I sold the truck. Really? And I sold the truck for, it had 350,000 on it when I sold it. Wow. And I sold it for 4,000 bucks. There's been some pretty harebrained stuff that not, not I'm not saying just specifically Chevy, all, yeah. the, all the manufacturers have come out with. Yeah, well, uh, Honda had a four-wheel steer car too. Oh, yeah, ages ago. Yeah. The, the Prelude was yeah, four-wheel steering in the, in the 80s. 80s. Was it the 80s? 86, 87, I think is when yeah. it actually came okay. out. It was like a success. It, it worked. They yeah. didn't, they discontinued it a little while after that, but they actually brought it back more recently. Like in 2017, Acura brought out four-wheel steering again. Yeah. It's ex- it exists right now on yeah. Acura cars, which yeah. is really cool. You don't hear about it much, but no. it, it's out there. Um, I was thinking, though, of like some other kind of crazy stuff that's, that's sort of come and gone, and for good reason. Like I think of like Ford's, well, they've all done it, power running boards that lower. Yeah. That's a bad idea where we live, you know? It doesn't. The, the the big problem with it is is that it's just not durable. That's a, yeah, it's just not. And in if you live in California, they probably work for a million years. But you come up to a place like Canada, well, I mean, they don't design anything for Canada. No, everything's designed down in the states where the weather's good, and then they do their weather tests where they take it to somewhere and then put it outside in minus 40 weather and then it starts well good for the battery you know like yeah sure any car with a brand new battery is likely going to start when it's minus 40 whether it's plugged in or not well and and like a brand new set of power running boards works just fine in the cold for the first year or two anyways yeah, yeah. right but it's like it you know drive it down a gravel road yeah for a hundred thousand kilometers <laughs> and don't put any mud flaps on it because nobody does well, no. Why would and, you? and then watch what happens when all that crud packs up into the mechanisms that lower those running yeah. boards Another thing, you know, not, not, I'm not going to pick on just one manufacturer. Dodge's automatic rear suspension leveling thing. Yeah. That does not work here. That's like getting deleted left, right, and center, right? Oh, absolutely. I got a, fr- a friend of a friend who, yeah. like, had this awesome, has this awesome Ram Rebel. Loves the truck. It's a cool truck, actually. It yeah. sounds great. But he had to, like, there's a there's a, a light on his dash that stays on now because he had those airbags taken out. Yeah. Because that just freezes. Yeah. Like, a little bit of moisture gets in there. But when you compress air, the byproduct is moisture. So, well, naturally, it's going to have moisture in it. Yeah. And freezes. It freezes. Doesn't work. Yeah. Your ass hand hangs down, you know, like in the middle of winter. And the your headlights are pointed up in the air, yeah. blinding everybody else who's coming on. Yeah, oncoming. Yeah. There's, well, been, there's been some things that, like, yeah. clearly, like, you're right. It's thought of in, in California works great. Yeah. Well, and you know, the new, the new big thing on trucks now is tailgates. Oh yeah, that's right. Tailgates. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what they're doing because it doesn't make any sense to me. A tailgate is a tailgate. So but like the, the new, the, whatever they call it, the pro tailgate that the G- GMs have. So it basically has like a little section in the top that kind of flips down. Yeah. Like it's a tailgate that turns into a step. When it's lowered, yeah. but then when it's when the tailgate is up, there's sort of that center section that yeah. drops, and then it's kind of like a work surface. That's its idea. Is like you can you can put your notepad and write on it, and let, but when you lower the whole tailgate, yeah. it's then a step. Yeah, it's all this stuff. And Dodge has got one that splits in half in the middle. It's not even in the middle. It's a yeah. it's like sixty forty yeah. or something like that. Right. But the the GM one's funny because if you have your trailer ball, your trailer hitch in the receiver. <laughs> You could lower that tailgate right down onto that and ball and damage the tailgate. It. Like bad. It. You could yeah. damage it to the point that it might not close. Um, if you have a trailer attached, you can't use that feature at all. No. Because it's, the trailer's in the way. And the Dodge one, 
in theory, it's kind of cool because, like, the ridge lines. Not that the ridge line is a real truck. Nah, come on, a, it's a real truck. <laughs> they've had a. They've had the tailgate that opens it both ways. Yeah, that's for right. A, for a few years oh, already. Fifteen. Yeah. yeah. But the ridge line is still a one piece gate, and the yes. Dodge is two pieces. And I have. I know someone who has one. Yeah. And it was a brand new truck at the time when I first saw it. And he said, I love it. He says, I can open it and I can reach almost, because it's a short bed truck, I can reach almost all the way to the front of the box uh-huh. with because the tailgate, I'm not reaching over the length of the tailgate. No, you're up against the bumper. Open. Yeah. yeah. But when he closed it, you got to close it the right way. It only closes one way. If you close it the wrong way, you'll damage paint. It'll smash. Well, it's like a it's like the old extended cab Chevy trucks where the door back door opens suicide style. Yes. If you close that door, if you close the front door first and then try to close the back door, it's gonna smash it'll on top smash of the it. paint. Yeah. So it you got to be careful when you close it. But when it closed, the whole thing shook like rattled, like it shook because it's two pieces. Yeah. It's not a solid tailgate, and they say it's supposed to hold like hundreds of pounds or whatever, like five hundred pounds. It's rated for something like that. But I wonder what it'll be like after somebody drives down a gravel road uh-huh. for 100,000K. That thing's going to be a rattly well, nightmare. And you know that they put like 500-pound limit. Yeah. And somebody is going to park a 1,000-pound quad on the back oh. of that tailgate. Yeah, of course. And you hope to God it doesn't split in the middle. Yeah. With, that, that's with what the I equipment envision. on it. That's what I envision is it opening while a guy's driving down the highway at highway speed. And it dumps. And whatever is on it just dumps out onto the road. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why they got to get like, I understand like trucks aren't barely, are barely trucks anymore. Yes. They're like cars with a, well, I guess a box on the back. Some of them are so small, you know, barely anything on them. Even my truck's it's got a small box on the back, but a truck is not a truck anymore. A half ton truck no. is definitely not a truck anymore. Well, and uh, you know, I think of it this way too. The kind of the, the big old classic car I have, the 69 Buick. Yeah. It's kind of been replaced in society by a half ton. And follow my logic here. My car tows 5,000 pounds. Yeah. There was nothing that towed that much back in those days. A half ton did. Yeah. Except you didn't take a half ton on a road trip. Because it it had had vinyl seats and nothing else inside of it. And it was bare bones. Well, and and it only seated three people. And it seated three people. (laughs) Right. You couldn't take the family. Yeah. It was uncomfortable, rattly, rough suspension, drove like junk. Because it was a truck. Because it was a truck. Yeah. And it did all those other things. It towed big loads. It hauled stuff in the box. It went off-road. It did those things, right? Exactly. Now, and, okay, and, and one more thing. You could buy it for a reasonable price. That too. Because now, if you want to leave a dealership lot with something with four-wheel drive, that, like, that's it. I yeah. mean, four-wheel drive, it's $40,000. Yeah. Guaranteed. Yeah. With nothing else on it. And yeah. then if, you know, if it's you want a bare bones f- truck. If you want a few things. So now, we're, we're talking most trucks are 70, 80,000 bucks. Yeah. And I, I laugh because I know that the cost of things goes up. Sure. But when you think about back in, back in the day and the, when all the cool cars were built and everything was built by hand. Yeah. There was how many hundreds of workers in those plants? Mm-hmm. All making wages. Yeah. And all doing that. And cars, you know, everything's relative. Not people weren't making a hundred grand a year. They were making 20 grand a year. That's right. I mean, everything's relative. I, 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 and I get that. But still, all, paying all those wages, all those benefits for those guys, all that stuff, you know, the tools for those guys to use. And you go into a factory now... 
there's half or less of the workforce yep. because so much is automated. Completely. And I know that those machines cost a lot of money. Automated machines are expensive. But you would think they're paying a lot less labor. Yeah. There's a lot less people getting hurt on the job. There's a lot less all that other stuff that goes along with having all those employees. Hey, and and you can run a machine 24-7. Exactly. It doesn't need brakes. Yeah. Coffee breaks. It, it doesn't I know. only work eight hours a day. But yet the cost of cars continues to climb at uh-huh. an unreal rate. Yep. When really, if you think about it, the cost to build them, after a while, that machinery gets paid off. Yeah. It Whereas pays. a worker never is. No. So that equipment gets paid off and then really it's costing you a lot less to make that vehicle than it did before. <laughs> I know. So, you know, it, 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 I know, I know that electronics and stuff are expensive, but we have, as a society, we're, we're making our vehicles so electronic, yes. so computerized that, um, well, look what's happened with COVID. You can't buy a truck right now because they can't get the computer chips to build, finish building the trucks because there's so much electronic stuff on these new yeah. trucks well they don't they don't run or function without them well that's the thing right like, i mean at it's, all it's not possible yeah it's not possible yeah. i heard of i think it was in mexico maybe one company not a model that they sell in canada or in the u.s yeah. but one brand was selling a car in mexico and they deleted the infotainment system yeah so you could sell buy the car and it had a, an old style little radio in it yeah but this, there's like a pocket, like a cubby where like the nice, you know, seven and a half inch touchscreen should be. <laughs> yeah. Because they can't, they can't get the part or they can't get the chips to make that part, but they can finish the rest of the car. Yeah. You well, know? I know that. And so they're selling these cars with as, as a, at a discount or a lesser price. Yeah. Because it's just got an old radio in it. Well, I was you know? reading a, I was reading a thing they were talking about. I was reading a little article about GM, that GM build, built, was built, was going to build trucks that didn't have their their displacement on demand system like the four cylinder eight cylinder mode right thing because they can't get the chips to build the part of the truck to do that so we, so they were just going to make all the trucks a standard V8, V8 truck run on eight and cylinders some of the comments i read on there was like well it's about time because they can't build one that the D, that the displacement on demand even works for more than 100,000 kilometers <laughs> so you know like a lot of guys were like going to go out and buy a new truck that didn't have that system purely because it didn't have that system yeah. because there's lots of people out there that don't want all this crap that comes along with these new vehicles like my new truck is not it, it's a i guess it's a pretty loaded truck it's a high country yeah, sure. Um, I, I didn't buy it brand new. I couldn't have ever afforded to buy it brand new. But it has things like lane departure assist mm-hmm. and things like that. Like I can actually, if I'm driving down the highway, I can. I don't let go of the steering wheel completely, but I can let my hands hover over the steering wheel. And if there's a bend in the road, it'll turn. Yeah, it'll follow it. It'll follow it. And it'll keep it in the middle of the, the yeah, lane. Yeah, it'll keep it r- somewhat in the middle. I don't need that. I know how to drive. That- I don't need backup sensors. I don't. I, I'm not going to say I don't need a backup camera. Backup cameras have one purpose on a pickup truck, in my opinion, and that's for when you're hooking up to a trailer. Hitch. Because yeah. then it saves you getting out eight times <laughs> to make sure that you're, oh, oh, I'm too far away. Okay, back. Oh, now I'm too close. Oh, now I'm too far away. Oh, now I'm too close. Oh, now I'm too far away. You know, it saves that. I can back up first time, hook up the trailer, and go. But nine out of eight, or nine out of eight, nine out of 10 features on a truck. Most of the stuff you don't need. The average no. person doesn't need. No. And it's, it, it tells, it paints a really big, you know, it, it becomes a really big discussion when you talk about all this stuff yeah. because it's, it's, uh, you know, it's moving the truck from uh, a half ton into this luxury liner. Yeah. 
the price goes up, the features all go up. A lot of people still just want a basic half ton to do the work that it needs to do. Yeah. But there's always a competition, you know, and it's not just because it's brand to brand, but it's it's the industry we've created that you, you know, nobody, no, these businesses, these corporations, GM, Ford, Dodge, yeah. they're, they'll close their doors if they stop selling trucks. Yeah. So then it's, what are we going to do to sell our trucks? What are we going to do to keep up with the competition? And it's a keeping up with the Joneses mentality. Yeah. So it's then, well, let's invent this crazy tailgate because it'll appeal to somebody. Yeah. When really, we don't need that tailgate. No. It's, it's just a... A something to attract a buyer with. Yeah, it's the same thing with horsepower races. It's the same thing with towing capacity races. We got now got half ton trucks that tow fifteen thousand pounds. Yeah, you need a special license to tow fifteen thousand pounds. Well, that's the thing, right? And they can tow it, but can it stop it? Well, okay, yeah, another <laughs> another discussion, sure. Yeah, but you know, it's sort of a sad thing that world we live in in a yeah. kind of way that we're that that we're designing this stuff that we have yeah. to keep you know buying new buying new buying new yeah. buying new there's nothing wrong with the way things used to be you know it's yeah. sort of a, a kind of a funny thing and i, I struggle with it because i love cars love new stuff like you know i'm yeah. always interested in that sort of stuff the new shiny thing yeah but on the other hand i can we, we do it for the sake of yeah. doing it sometimes. i mean i can appreciate i can appreciate yeah. like i can appreciate power windows and air conditioning and things like that. But you know, when I get in one of my old cars, because none of them have any of that. No. You know, I get in one of my old cars and I roll down the window and I go for a drive. It doesn't have cruise control. Yeah. You know, going out, I went to Rose Town for the car show here around the weekend and about a third of the way there, my foot was getting a little achy <laughs> from holding the throttle down. You know, but you know, we're spoiled now. Yeah. Like I couldn't, I used to drive that car, my Oldsmobile, because I took it to Rosetown. I used to drive that car. I drove that car from here home a few times. To BC. To BC. Yeah. No, didn't even think anything of it. Jumped in it. Window rolled down. Oh, it was hot out. Opened a floor vent. And drove with no cruise control for six hours to Calgary. Yep. But for as that was my first stop, uh, except for fuel. And, you know, never thought anything of it. Nope. And now I can't even go the hour it is to Rosetown without my foot cramping And up. you're complaining about it. And, you know, because it doesn't have cruise control. Yeah, so, I, know. I mean, I can appreciate some of that stuff. But so much of it is over the top and it's not needed. Yeah. And the more complicated we make these vehicles, the more they break down, Ugh. the more problems we have with them. The more expensive they are to the fix. The more expensive they are to fix. And I, I feel like we're not making... We're making worse drivers, not better drivers. Oh, we're for making... A, for a lot of this. We're absolutely making worse drivers. And I know that because... My truck's got a backup camera and backup beepers and things like that. Yep. And and when I back my old cars up, I have to actually think about it. Yeah. Before, I never used to. It was automatic to be looking in mirrors, looking over my shoulder, yep. turning around, checking, oh, am I too close, you know? And I find I get into a vehicle that doesn't have a backup camera or something like that, and I tend to almost draw a blank for that split, for a sec for that split second. Yeah. I'm backing up and I'm backing up, but I'm not looking where I'm going because I'm waiting to hear the beep. And I'm like, wait a minute, this car doesn't have that. Oh, I better stop and make sure I'm not running into anything. So, you know, like it, it is making worse drivers. It totally is. And, you know, lane departure assist and things like that is making bad drivers. Yeah. People rely on that stuff way too much. And then if, the, you know, you go to a shop that does work on your vehicle and doesn't recalibrate things correctly... And then you get in an accident purely because you're relying on a system that's not set properly, you know, things like that. You know, you get a crack in your windshield in the right place and then something doesn't, a sensor doesn't work right. Or, yep. you know, there's all those things and it is making terrible drivers. Here's my biggest beef. This is it right here. I think it's my biggest one. 
people driving without their headlights on. Oh, and here's why. Man. Here's why. Like it, it's the simplest explanation. Yeah. My old car, all the old cars that you've got. Yeah. When you get in the thing and you start it up, if it's dark out, you can't see nothing. Exactly. You, you see nothing on your dashboard. Yeah. Nothing is lit up anywhere. You got to pull that knob out or turn that switch. Yeah. And then oh oh yeah now I have headlights and my my yeah. you know dashboard lights up because if you don't yeah you can't see a thing. You get into a modern car, your truck, the, my daily driver. Yeah. You start the thing up, practically the whole dashboard lights up, yep, almost the much. whole thing. Yeah. I mean, minus maybe some of the heater controls or some of the buttons, but even your your screen yeah. is on, right? Yeah. So you can see your radio. Yeah, and all your gauges and are all your lit. gauges are yeah. lit up nicely. Sometimes too bright, but yeah. lit up. And then the daytime running lights, as good as those things are to have, a lot of the new ones with LEDs are quite bright. Yeah. So they actually kind of do illuminate the road, say in the city. Yeah. Pretty well. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then people are driving around. Yeah. And you're like, you're giving them these dagger looks and they have no idea what yeah. they're doing wrong. There's no tail lights. It's the wrong headlights on. They're blinding people. Like, yeah. it's like, come on. I know. It drives me up the wall. That's one of my biggest things too. And it's funny because... GM again. I'm not 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 trying not to be biased, but GM has had automatic headlights yeah. since the '80s. Yeah, I know. The late '80s, you could buy a Pontiac Bonneville. Yep, that had automatic headlights. When it got dark out, they turned on. Exactly. And all your lights turned on like they're supposed to. Still have daytime driving lights, but when it got dark enough, they turned on automatically. And I think sometimes some of the problem is is some of these drivers have had cars that have had automatic lights. Yep. And then they buy a car that doesn't. doesn't? Because Ford hadn't had it for years. And I see lots of like mid-2000s Fords driving around with no headlights on. And, and even if they did, a lot of those, those other vehicles, so non-GM vehicles, yeah. you could put it into auto, but you could also just shut it right off. Yeah. So there's new legislation. I think it started this year, 2021. Yes, Anything which is, built new now, uh, newer now, I think all has to have. is two things. It's either fully automatic, that's not, uh, and when I say not defeatable, I mean you can't leave it in the off position. Yeah. You can move it to off, but it's going to it's gonna pop back to auto, so the next yeah. time you start the car, it, it's going to be automatic. Yeah, my lights. truck does that. Right. Or no dashboard lights on if the headlights are off. They're going yeah. back to that. So you're, you can manufacture a car two ways. Yeah. It's going to guarantee that you know that your headlights are not you know, the whole headlight system isn't turned on. Yeah. Because man, oh man, like like I say, we're making dumber drivers than we are making smarter well, yeah. drivers well, of some of this I stuff. I don't know. Like I drive in from out of town every day mm -hmm. because I, I live outside the city. And I don't even know on like foggy days and on like when I'm driving in, like this time of year when it's still kind of almost dark, you should, probably should have your headlights yeah. on. Yeah. So maybe a little bit of fog going on. And someone's driving in and they've been driving on the highway. Like they live further out than I do. They've been driving on the highway for 20 minutes already. They have no headlights on. So they can barely see where they're going and you cannot see them from behind nope. at all. Nope. And it just, it, and you get up beside them and like you say, you're like, Hey dummy. Yeah. <laughs> your lights aren't on. And they just were like, they like give you the finger, like screw you. <laughs> and it's like, I'm just trying to help you out. Like turn your lights on. And, one of the big problems with the automat with the headlights, like you say, that you can't like that are automatic automatic, you can't turn them off. So you can't flash old days. If someone didn't have their headlights on, you didn't flash your brights. No. You turned your headlights all the way off and all the way yeah. on a couple times. Blinking. Blink them. Yeah. And people would be like, Oh, well now you don't have that option. No. So now you actually have to 
flash them with your brights and then they think you're you're, then they're pissed off at you because you just sure. blinded them. Sure, right? yeah, exactly. So, so Either from the behind or from, yeah. from the front. So you yeah. can't do that. So how are you supposed to get their attention besides saying, like, waving at them and, like, like, you, what do you do? Like, like <laughs> I don't even know what the proper motion would be because you can't, like, point down at the dash and go, hey, stupid, because they can probably see their dash. Of course they can. Wait, it's like, like an old car. Like, I've gotten up behind, behind or beside somebody on Circle Drive, and they're driving with no headlights on in an old car. Yeah. And I just point at the dash. And when they look down, they go, oh, my dash lights aren't on. And then they turn their lights on. Yep. Because they realize that, oh, crap, I'm they driving in the dark. Can't see anything. Yeah. But, you know, on a new car, you don't, you don't even have that option because no. they're, they can probably see what, they're, what they need to see. We can solve all the world's problems, Darren. Oh, we totally could. <laughs> yeah. Give me a car. I'll build one just like Homer Simpson. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, you glass know. domes and all. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's funny. It's, uh, it's, there's so many things I love about cars and I love old cars. Yeah. And I like new cars too. I really do. Uh, there's lots of neat stuff about yeah. new cars. The amount of powers power they can get out of a small engine now compared oh. to what they could in the, like the eighties is amazing. I mean, who knows how long it will last in comparison? Like, like, you know, an old 2.5, 2.5 liters four cylinder in a, that you could get in like an old Chevy Cavalier or yeah. an old S10 truck. They were like, they were called iron horses for a reason because they went forever. They just run and run and run. Even when they were burning oil and making lots of noise, they'd still run. You know, you take a two liter engine with a big turbo on it now that lots of companies are doing. They're putting turbos on all these little engines. Well, yeah, they make way more power. There's a longevity there. Who knows? Because if you watch racing and you watch guys that are doing putting big superchargers and turbos on engines and racing them, they don't last that long. So, you know, you drive that car hard enough you're with this little turbo and you're going to blow it up. But I'm convinced that I was born in the wrong time. Like, I should have been a teenager in the 50s or 60s. Hey, I'm with you. I'm I, right I, there I, with you. I believe I was totally born in the wrong time because I would have, I'd give just about anything to have gotten to grow up at the time when the horsepower race was on yep. and muscle cars became a thing. And there wasn't, you know, there wasn't a big workup over... A lot of, you know, yeah. I'll say emission stuff. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a big thing. I'm all for protecting the environment. Sure. But you know what? There, you, you take an old classic car. That car probably in its whole life hasn't produced as much emissions as like a semi truck. Yeah. That's or right. a big diesel locomotive. Yep. You know, that does in a year. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like, like those, like, yeah, sure. They weren't as fuel efficient as cars are now, but you look at all the plastic and petroleum products in cars now. They're just as bad for the environment as the as the old cars. The old cars are probably better, and that old car's still driving around. Yep. This 2020 thing that someone just bought today will not be around in 50 years. No, it will not be here. No, it will be. It'll in, be, in it, fact, it'll be replaced three times over. Likely. So the question is, the begs the question: it, all the resources it took to make those three new cars. Yeah. Is, does that you know equate to more emissions or more you know yeah let's call it environmental damage than just that fifty year old car that's been chugging away exactly you know and I I don't know if we have the answer to that but it sure begs the question yeah. doesn't it like well and because they and like they don't build cars to last anymore like there was a time like you you'll talk to anybody back in the that was you know a young person back in the day when all those 60s cars were new and mm -hmm. they'll say well they didn't fit together nice and they'd actually do it that great of cars and you know they had their problems too and all that kind of thing which yeah. i'm sure they did yeah, they everything did. was built by hand and designed by people with no computers yeah i mean an engine was designed on a piece of paper and drawn out on blueprints yeah. just like a car was 
I'm like everything now, in my opinion, should be lasting 10 times longer because everything is built on computer and it's built within tens of thousands of inches of uh, engine engine specs are just amazing now. Like things are so tight that like without the right oil, it does damage to the engine, not just any oil. My, my cars run an OW 20 full synthetic. Yeah. And if you run 1030 in your car, you'll damage the engine. I'm sure I blow it up. The engine is the tolerances are so tight and everything that, that it'll damage the engine. Exactly. And cars should last 10 times longer now with all the advancements we've made. They should be. I mean, I know there's no money in it for the car. car this is, you know, it's, it's cars. I've had uh, this discussion with lots of people. Designed obsolescence. Yeah. You know, so you're totally right. They should last longer. And the second thing is we should actually be able to make them so easy to work on. Yeah. Because we have all this, this, this design technology at our fingertips. Yeah. But it's the complete opposite. Yeah. The cars from the 60s were simple, made to be repaired. Yeah. Now there's so many parts that are throwaway parts. You know, I've got the shop manual for my Buick, and it tells you how to rewire yeah. the starter. Like how to re- it shows you how to test spark plugs yeah. to reuse them. Yeah. Who the hell reuses spark plugs? Well, I mean, that's just one little piece. Yeah. But it gives you instructions on how to test and rebuild every component on that car. Yeah. Not take it off, throw it out, and put a new one on. Yeah. Which is the standard. Which now. is the standard now. In fact, the standard now is that there's some stuff that can't even be. Oh, replaced. like wheel bearings on a car yeah. is a perfect example. Wheel bearings are now, are, I don't think there is one car on the road now that a wheel bearing is serviceable. No. It is a part that once it wears out, you take it off, you throw it away, you put in a new one. Mm-hmm. And supposedly they're supposed to be way better. But my 69 Cutlass has the same wheel bearings in it that it had in it in 1969 when it rolled off the assembly mm-hmm. line. And I checked them and greased them every couple of years and put the right torque on the and, castle nut yeah. and and it's still going still going so you know it's hard to say that they would that they're better i know but, you know i it i i'm so like yeah. right there with you yeah. with this stuff it's you know and i look at i look at how serviceable some of that old stuff is it was it meant to come apart go back together not be yeah. broken even just the simple all the all those plastic clips that we use oh, in vehicles now, yeah. you know, they're one-time use things. Yeah. Even if you pull them out gently and you don't think you broke them, yeah. they're never going to go back in as tight as they were the first time. They are throwaway items. Yeah. You know. And yeah. I mean, yeah, it's one microscopic little clip. Yeah, but you think about each car has hundred of them, and there's a million cars on the road. That's a lot. That's of a lot of fucking little clips. Yeah. A lot of plastic. Yeah. And then, and then if it has to come apart, you have to replace all of those yep. pieces. You know? I mean... Yeah, I know. We, I worked at a place. We had a van. I am going to pick on Chevy for this one. <laughs> we had a Chevy Uplander van. Yeah. And it had a... This was... It was still under warranty. Like, it was two years old. And we used to store some stuff in the glove box because it was a work van. Yeah. Open the glove box, close the glove box. Well, one day I'm driving. The whole lid falls right off into the floor. <laughs> and I look and... The hinge, they didn't use a metal, like it's a plastic lid and a plastic box. Yeah. But it's literally a piece of plastic that's got a score in it. Yeah. And that's the hinge. Yeah. So minus 35 rolls around, you open the glove box, enough flexes on that scored piece of plastic, it just simply shears off. Yeah. That's it. Falls off. So I go, I'm like, well, let's get a new, we'll get a new hinge. Like, no, you replace the entire assembly. Yeah. The interior part of the glove box, the lid, it all comes as one thing. Yeah. They did it under, under warranty the first time. It broke a second time Ugh. about eight months later, or maybe the, just the following winter. It was like $400. Yeah. 
No. There was no lid on that glove box for the rest of the time that van existed because, yeah, like, I know. But but like, why not just put the metal hinge that you've been using, like we talked about, all those shareable parts that GM used for a yeah, hundred years, a million years. Uh, I'm sure it was the same hinge that GM used in my Buick as a 1990, whatever. Well, yeah. I know. Why'd you stop? I know. I don't get it. Because it was cheaper <sighs> by three cents a car. Well, and that's big money, right? You know, I get it. it I, I, and I get it. But it's so but, infuriating yeah. with that kind of stuff. For people who, like, I know there's lots of the lots of people out there that a car is just a way for them to get from point A to point B. They could give a crap what it looks like, what color it is. how it's a toaster. It, you know what it's I mean? appliance. Yeah, it could be nothing. You know how I feel about washer and dryer. As long as it does washes my clothes and dries them, I don't really care what it looks like or what it does. Yeah. But for the for the part of the community that really cars are their thing, it yeah. is infuriating, and I know that it is because you can go to any car show and talk to anybody that's got an old car about new cars, and they all say the same. We're all thing. We're the t- saying what we're saying yeah. right now. Yeah, exactly. They're telling stories about some new thing that fell apart and some old thing yeah. that has held together. It's like like for fifty years, and it's like why like you like a good example is paint mm-hmm. like all these brand new chevy trucks are having paint problems mm-hmm. paint chipping off easily no paint on them and the paint's peeling and this and that and while they had a big problem in the 90s even dodge had a big problem in the 90s with paint yeah. coming right off and chevy had the same issue but you can go find a 1950s chevy in a barn somewhere that has had <laughs> bird crap and dust and everything all over it pull it out of there wash it and polish it and it'll look like the car is only 15 years old yeah like i i get that probably there's stuff in that paint that gives people cancer but there's stuff in the new paint that gives people cancer too so it's that is purely because back when they built those cars they were built with pride yeah they really were i think so they were built with the guys that worked in those factories, they got a smile on their face when that car rolled off the assembly line all done and it yep. was shiny blue or red or whatever color it was. And I painted that and I've painted all these cars and I painted half the cars in Michigan. You know, like, you know, like there was some pride there. Now everything's computers and it's machines and it's some guy sitting in an office somewhere going, well, if we cut back 1.3 liters on every vehicle of paint material, we're going to save blah, 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 million dollars yep. over the course of this much time. And it will still last long enough to get off warranty. To be past the corrosion warranty. Yeah. Yeah. And, and because that's all they care about. And the unsuspecting people that buy end up getting a vehicle that they pay way too much money for mm-hmm. and doesn't last half the amount of time that it should. And then in 10 years... Yeah. GM also decides that they're going to throw away all the parts for that car too. Yep. Because why would you need them after 10 years? No. We don't want you driving that in 10 years. We want you driving a new vehicle. Thanks a lot. Yeah. You know, I mean. Yeah. And for the people who are car people, like some people that buy the, buy a vehicle brand new and they drive it until it's done. Like whatever, however long that is. Might be 10 years. It might be 15. And they might drive it for the rest of their life. D- yeah. Done. Either they spend it out or... I, I consider myself a guy like I've got a ten year old Honda CRV. Yeah, and it shines just as good as it did when it was new. Yeah, because why would I why would I waste another forty thousand dollars buying another vehicle that does the same thing that one does? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, so exactly. keep going. Yeah, right. Like yeah, I guess if it blows up or somebody schmucks it and it's written off, that that's yeah. it oh. is what it is. Yeah, but why replace like replacing it for the sake of replacing it? Yeah. 
doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it might be different if one day you decide, you know what, I want to get a little bit bigger car or, you know, or something like that. Sure. But, but yeah, to replace it just purely for the sake of, well, I think uh, I didn't buy, I haven't bought a car in two years. I'm just going to go buy a car. (laughs) You know, like I, you know, like just for the sake of that is just, I know. And, but some people are like that. Yeah. And for those people, like you're only owning it for two years. You're owning it for the best part of its life anyway. Yeah. And then after that, what does it matter to you? Because you're just going to trade it off and get another new car. <laughs> get the new car. You know? And then you have that one for two years and have the best part of its life and then trade it off on another one. But I mean, I totally believe that, like, you know, now manufacturers want us to ha- own it for two years. The yeah. next guy owns it for two years, two more years after that. And it's beat to hell, mild out. Yeah. Looks like crap. And it's going to the scrapyard. Yeah. Well, and they don't make things to last longer than that anyway. Yeah. Like, uh, you're by that time, by the time a vehicle six to eight years old, you've already probably had been having transmission issues, or the engine's making noise that it shouldn't be making, or uh, you know it's rusting somewhere where it's like, how is this thing could be rusting already? But it is. You know, like they just there's no longevity in anything anymore, so because they don't want it to have it. So I guess what we're getting at is just drive old cars. Yeah. You know what? If I didn't, <laughs> uh, if I didn't live in this province, I wouldn't drive a new vehicle. Yeah, I have my new truck because I need something that that I know is gonna start and have heat when it's minus forty out. Yes, and I can't. I, I could probably make my Oldsmobile do that, but I can't do it to it. I cannot do that no. to that old car. No, I drove it through the first winter I was here. First two winters I was here, that was enough. It was. It's too hard on it. <laughs> yeah, and, and I don't feel good about it so you know could i drive a really old beater all year round you know in the winter time yeah sure i probably could but for me i do do road trips i do do things like that yeah and i would much rather just have something that i just get in it and i do oil changes on it and you know i i I usually do all my oil oil changes and servicing and things like that but on my new truck i don't i take it to the dealership because it's under warranty so if something gets wrecked it's their fault it's under warranty. I don't have to think about it because I would much rather spend my time thinking about my old cars and fixing my old cars or working on my old cars yeah. and not worry about this stupid new thing. That's very true. Yeah. That's very true. You know, I just, I, I, I keep it clean and I keep it looking nice and everything, but really it's not my pride and joy. My, I, I, my pride and joys are my old cars and I would much rather spend the time and the money and the effort to maintain those. And let someone else maintain my new vehicle because at some point that new vehicle is going to break or get written off. Yeah. And then I'm going to have to get a different one anyway. It but makes, the, my old cars won't change. It makes you wonder though, if that, if what you just said, like, so take that whole example. And as time moves, will that Chevy that you're driving right now, that 2018 yeah. truck, is that going to be somebody's baby in 50 years? Like your... You know, like your like your Oldsmobile is. Yeah. It's 50 years old, right? I don't think that... I honestly don't believe... And I know some people say, well, you know, you know this this young crowd now, their, their cars will be Civics, SIs, will be their classics. And, you know, because because that's the generation they're in. And, and when the, the, that car is 50 years old, it'll be like, well, that's a classic car because it, that when I was growing up, that was the car that all the kids at school had. And, but I don't think that's the case because most of those cars aren't even going to be on the road by that time. A brand new car you buy today will not be on the road in 50 years. There just won't be around. 
because they it's don't build not, them long enough to last. Not and, built to last that and long. And when it costs you, like right now, if I wanted to get the transmission rebuilt in my Oldsmobile, I know exactly how much it would cost because I just had to do it with the wife's car. It was $1,000. Yeah. But that was rebuilt and upgraded and brand new, everything inside. And it's going to last a million years now because it's 10 times the transmission it ever was when it was new. Mm-hmm. To get the transmission rebuilt on my new truck would be a minimum bill of about $5,000. Yep. Well, when that truck is 20 years old, no one is going to spend $5,000 on a truck that's only worth $5,000 to have the transmission rebuilt. No. And it'll likely have been rebuilt twice already by that time. <laughs> so, you know, like that nobody's going to spend the money on them. It'll, the, the more and more of this new stuff will just go to recycle. Yeah, It'll I get think parted so. out, recycled. And there'll be the odd one around that some elderly guy bought brand new that is one of those people that drives it only twice a week to mm-hmm. the store. It's got low miles. And then he passed away and gave it to his grandson and his, cause it was grandpa's truck. It's his pride and joy. And it'll, he drives it very little and maintains it and keeps it really nice. There'll be those around, yeah, but as a whole, there just won't be, you it's, won't see them. And you can, you can start to see it already. And I think too, that there's, there was a big, you know, we have a lot of, it seems like there's still lots of, old 50s and 60s cars kicking around because a lot of time you know they were they were especially in saskatchewan on the farm they stopped using it to push into the bush yeah it sits there but the metal's so thick that it's still sitting there yeah right exactly whereas you know when you see a car that's from the 80s or 90s now today yeah they rusted out they rusted to nothing yeah like like i mean disintegrated well, you There's even, no metal left. You, it's just it's just crumbles. When was the last time you saw an 80s Datsun truck anywhere? Yeah. You know, there's a reason why there's none of them around. It's because they were rusting on the lot. Like they like there I was convinced that if you bought one brand new and you drove it long enough, there'd be nothing left of it but a frame and a steering wheel. Yeah. And you'd still be driving it because the engines were awesome. They run forever. Sure. sure. But you'd be sitting on a seat with a frame with nothing else around you because that's all that's left of that truck. I've talked about it on other podcasts, but my first car was an 81 Honda Civic. It was yeah. my grandfather's. And if I could honestly, in that same regard, we were talking about first thing in the podcast, if I could have a million dollars right now, I'd go find one, have it restored exactly the way I had yeah. it when I was 16. But even by the time I was 16, there was holes through the floor. Yeah. I went and got parts off of a, one in a junkyard over by Martinsville when I was 17, whatever. Yeah. I think I need a new trunklet because mine was so full of Swiss cheese full of holes. <laughs> the back window was hardly held in yeah. by anything. I went and found one off of a car, but the car next to it, the other Civic sitting next to it, I looked in it just for fun. Yeah. And I peeled the carpet back. Actually, I don't think there was carpet. It was just kind of taken out. There was a stop sign for a floor. Yeah. And the f- passenger seat was bolted to two hockey sticks shoved through the frame rails. <laughs> There was nothing left. And I yeah. mean, th- this is like, I'm talking, this is 20 years ago already, yeah. right? Like, this is so far long ago. I would love, and I'd, I'm i kind of on the hunt to find one of these cars. Yeah. But I can't find one. Because there isn't any. I can't know. find one. But you know, know what? That car, when we sold it for 800 bucks, it sold in 10 minutes on Kijiji, sight unseen in 2008. Yeah. It ran so well. The engine was so good in it. It yeah. just, but literally coming apart. Just disintegrating. Yeah. And I mean, things have gotten a lot better, you know, let's say with those, you know, Japanese brands. Now you yeah. got cars that are lasting a lot longer than 20 years because they did some rust proofing and stuff yeah. like that, right? But on the whole, if you go look for, 
a Toyota, whatever, a Honda, whatever, a Mazda, whatever from yeah. mid nineties, you're going to have a, like, you're not going to find a lot of them. No, but you're even, not going to find a lot of anything from the 1990s. Even, even American made yeah. cars, go find a, go find a nine, uh, late eighties, early nineties Cavalier. I know they were a cheap car and they weren't worth a lot of money or anything, but go find one. No, they don't, they're, they're just gone. No, they're gone. And that's what these they're new cars are going to be. They're gone. just going to be gone. Yeah. My, At, I had a Civic once too. Yeah. I did have one. It was never a on the road vehicle. I bought it for 50 bucks <laughs> and I, it was my doom buggy. Oh, cool. And we were, me and my buddy were out cruising on a logging road out in BC one time. And we were like, we were like, well, let's go down this road, which hadn't been down. No one had been down this road. And like, or, this is not a road you take a four by four on, let alone this little Honda Civic. If we got stuck, we got stuck. We didn't care. We'd walk back to town. So I went down and we're going on this road that's got heaves in it and everything. And my buddy's like, what? The seat feels weird. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, it's like moving. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And the floor was being held together by the carpet. And I didn't even know that. Yeah. And the seat was the rocks and the things we were driving over were pushing on the floor. And the seat was moving and rocking <laughs> on the, on, cause it was nothing. There was nothing holding it in the car. And he, and he was like, I really feel, you know, that mem that meme that that's out there where it shows Ralph sitting in the school bus and there's no floor. And he's like, I'm in danger. That was like, you feel, that, you feel that way, right? <laughs> oh, that that car was just like a, like it ran like a top. Yeah, perfect. But there was nothing below the like the door sills down was gone mm-hmm. on that car. And this was a nineteen eight like eighty one eighty two. That's my car. And That's, it was eighty one. And it this was in like nineteen ninety like would have been about nineteen ninety. 98. So it was like it was seventeen or eighteen years yeah, old. It wasn't twenty years old yet. My grandfather's got a 98 Honda Accord right now yeah. with 280,000 kilometers that doesn't burn a drop of oil. Yeah. That's never had, it's literally had like brake jobs. Yeah. It's running on its original struts. It's original driving. Like it's, it's steering components are original. Yeah. Perfect. One little spot of rust in the back corner fender. But like, I mean, on the whole though, it's like a solid car. Yeah. Totally. And now it's... 20 whatever years old 23 yeah. right so they they made some huge huge yeah. changes but the point well, is though go we'll find another one of those though that's the thing go <laughs> find another one that's the thing you know that's, that's the thing he took really just, good amazing care of it yeah. right totally but these cars just aren't being saved they're being used up and they're not being pushed into a bush they're yeah. being taken to the scrapyard i mean crushed <laughs> and and that's it if you t- push them in the bush they return to the earth from which they came exactly because the, like i know like I have seen, I've gone to farmyards where there's cars from the 80s and 90s mm-hmm. and there's nothing left of them nope. just sitting in the yard. They just are literally going right into the ground. The paint. The paint stands up, but there's no metal behind the yeah, paint. Like nothing. It's, it's just unreal. Like yeah. you close the door and the door falls off almost because yeah, there's nothing. It falls in. It caves in. Yeah. I know. So like, it you know, it's, it's sad. It worries me a little bit because, you know, right now, car, you know, the car world is sort of centered around... 50s, but especially 60s now, right? Yeah. Like most of the people who are have got the money to have that classic car when they were a kid, yeah. they got the money to restore it, they got the money to, you know, drive yeah. it around. It's still, um, you know, cars of an era where it was solid built, thick steel, that yeah. sort of, so there's something left to fix. Yeah. But another 20, 30 years, it's going to be people who were like, grew up, you know, in the 90s, those cars are gone. Yeah. And they're half made of plastic. So the problem is you break a bumper. Yeah. Well, if nobody's producing a new bumper for, uh, you know, 
pick a car. I don't know. Like, a, let's pick something that would be like really obscure, like a 1990 Chevy Beretta Z20. What were they? Z24. Z24. No, Z20. Z24 was a Cavalier. Yeah. Z20. Z22 or something like that. But I know what you're talking about. But it was a f- little. The, the little four-cylinder, five-speed. But they were they were a weird car. They only built them for a couple of years. Yep. But, like, first of all, I haven't seen one in probably 10, 15 years. Yeah. And I, I had a buddy that had one. That's the only reason I even know a Beretta even existed, really. Yeah. But if you were to try to, like, say you found one in 20 years. And restore you, it. You'll never restore it. No. Because you'll never get parts for it. It won't exist. Yeah. A, even just mechanical parts won't be around well, exactly. because there's nothing new that shares anything from them. Nope. Right? It's all like, you'll been You'll never changed. find a ball joint. You'll never find a tie rod and you'll never find that stuff. No, it, it won't exist. And yeah. then even worse, you're trying to find body panels or you're trying to find oh. bumper covers yeah. or any of that. Or like, a headlight. Say you it, need a headlight. Yeah. Good, good luck finding a headlight. And let's just be honest. Like any interior from any car in the 1980s and 90s, the plastic was garbage. Oh, it was terrible. It could disintegrate around you, right? Yeah, they were terrible. I mean, it doesn't matter what we're talking about. So it, it's all going to be broken. Yeah. Inside, and there'll be nowhere to get a part or a piece for it. Yeah, and the auto wreckers won't have them either because they're no. not. They don't keep that they don't stuff. Save stuff. They don't state that like a lot of auto wreckers don't state don't save anything over fifteen twenty years old now already. And even if they do have something now, it lasts like the the shelf life of that car in the auto wrecker yeah. is like a, a span of a few months usually. Right. Yeah. So it arrives. People pick parts. It sits around for a few months. And then it gets crushed. Yeah. So you only, like, we only have cars and they're all wreckers right now from like 15-ish, 18, 20 years ago. Yeah. Well, it just keeps moving up and up and up and up and up. Yeah. And five years goes by and there's, everything's off the road. Everything's been crushed. Everything's yeah. been gone through. You can't, like, if you own a Cavalier now, you really can't go to an auto wrecker and find parts for they're it. They're very difficult to find now. I know my, I, I, I gave my kid one when he turned 16. I got one for 500 bucks really good deal it was a good car but it needed a strut yeah and i was like well if this thing even makes it six months before he smashes it up i said i'll I'll feel pretty good (laughs) so i thought you know what i'm not going to go buy a brand new strut and put a brand new strut on one side of this car because it's going to sit stupid and it's not going to drive right because it's going to have one brand new strut and one worn out one so i went to the auto wrecker and i did find one yeah one cavalier in the auto wrecker that i went to and he had 500 cars yeah and there was one cavalier and he had one good strut. <laughs> like, right. I got lucky. Totally. But, you know, but that's, that's not going to be the case in, in very short time. No. And that, you're right, because as the cars get newer, the older cars disappear. And I, you can go to some auto wreckers, and they'll still have 50s and 60s cars in their yard. Yes. And they won't have any 80s cars. No. None. No, because, no, and the thing is, when they, when, <laughs> it's just a succession, you know? Yeah. All the cars, like I take that 81 Civic of mine, right? Yeah. I used to, when I was 16, go get parts from other ones in the wrecker, yeah. right? But as just time moves on, okay, they all are off the road now because they're all either rusted out and not safe or worn out and that's just, they're gone, right? Yeah. They're, they're just not drivable anymore. So they all end up in the wrecker, probably about the time when I had mine that I was scavenging parts from other ones. Yeah. And then they go through the crusher. And there's none left in the auto wrecker, and there's none left in the road. Yeah. So you find one in some old lady's garage, you know, with crap all over it, and it's like a unicorn. Yeah. It's just a miracle it even exists. What do yeah. you do? 
It's I was when I was looking for my classic car, my Buick. I was considering finding one of these Civics. I was like, oh, I'll go to California because yeah. they're still kind of around there, and there's still some in BC kind yeah. of. You can find you left. can find them. Uh, BC, the biggest issue is is if it's on the coast. Yeah, and it's usually rusty, but but there are some there interior are, BC that yeah. are like, oh yeah, they're still they're still hidden, squirreled away, yeah. especially down in California. They're still kind of falling for these things. And then I thought to myself, but something breaks. Where do I get a part for it? Yeah, or if I get it, it and it's silly? not complete, Isn't where do I get a part that, for it? That your 1981 Civic, you're worried about getting parts for it, but then you buy your old Buick, and you're not really oh, too get worried about getting parts. For I it. mean, it's got it's got There'll its limitations. Be some things. You know, There'll like some interior bits and pieces and trim things. Those are yeah. harder to find. Yeah, but like mechanical stuff. Mechanical stuff's going to be because, and again, one of the things I liked about GM was it shares a lot of things with other with a Pontiac and a Chevy and you know, it does share some things, not everything, but a lot. Yeah. But yeah that's right. So, you know, there's a bigger market there for sure for them to that's still build parts. Sad though. It is because you know what? We're going to end up, we're going to kind of end up with sort of this, what kind of feels like the end of the, that car community. Yeah. I don't know. I maybe, well, I, maybe we're wrong, but yeah, like I, I don't, there's not a lot of cars in the eighties and nineties that were really cool cars. I can, you know, I can name a handful that were kind of neat. It wasn't a good time for cars, for the automobile in general. No. Everyone was cra- everyone was just trying to make things that were uh, cheap and cost-effective. Mm-hmm. And I won't don't want to say good on fuel because fuel mileage wasn't really great in the 80s and 90s. They just kept making engines smaller to try to make them better on fuel, mm-hmm. which which didn't fix the fuel problem. Like they take a, you take a perfect example is like a cor- a perfect example is a Corvette actually, yeah. even though it's not a, a means like an, a day-to-day car, but like in the s- late sixties, early seventies, they were coming with big block engines and, and high horsepower and everything. High compression. Yep. Yeah. And the, by the end of the seventies and into the early eighties, the car looks almost the same, mm-hmm. but it has 120 horsepower. Mm-hmm. And they, because that was their answer for fuel mileage and emissions. Yep. When it probably put out just as much, if you really looked at the numbers and really tested it the way you should, as that car that was 10 years previous with the bigger motor and more horsepower, because that bigger engine didn't have to work nearly as hard to lug that car around as that underpowered engine does. And that's a common thread that you see all. A lot. Yep. I had a Chevy Trailblazer with an inline six cylinder, mm-hmm. which was the which was the standard engine in those things. I had a couple of them. They got horrible mileage because they were way underpowered for the weight of the vehicle. Yeah, if they'd have put a small V eight in that thing, which they did in the later years, uh, I know a couple people that have them. They get better mileage than the smaller inline six engine. I always wondered that too. And a perfect example. <laughs> It's Volkswagen. Remember Dieselgate that happened, right? Mm, yeah. So they had all these diesels. We all know, we've heard the stories, somebody would fill up a tank of diesel in a Volkswagen Jetta. They'd drive from here to Vancouver. Yeah. From Saskatoon to Vancouver. And they'd go the whole way on one flipping tank of diesel yeah. through the mountains and everything. Yeah. Then the update came out for yeah. these diesels. Yeah. And either you like got the thing updated or you like, you know, like it was, it was a big deal. Guys would go get their Volkswagen diesels updated, and it would go half the distance. Yeah. So, okay, 
it didn't make any sense though. So now you're doubling the fuel required, but it's better for the environment. Yeah. So it's you know the, there's more emission controls, but you're literally doubling the amount of fuel yeah. you have to use to go the same distance. How can that be better yeah. for the environment? Exactly, because it's not. But what happened was, is somebody in some petroleum office somewhere yeah. went, "Did you hear about Joe? He just drove his Volkswagen." All the way to the all the way to Vancouver Island from Saskatchewan, or pick a destination. Yeah, he drove a thousand kilometers, two thousand kilometers on a tank of fuel in his Jetta. Yeah, we gotta get get a hold of VW right now. <laughs> and they did. Yeah, and they said you can't do that. We're gonna pay you X amount of money to do this update to make your vehicle harder on fuel because you can't build a car that's that good on fuel. Mm-hmm. Because then no one, no, first of all, no one's gonna buy any other kind of car if that's the only one that gets that kind of mileage. Yep. And we're not, make, we're not, we're not gonna sell we're not any selling diesel. Enough diesel. Yeah, we're never gonna sell any diesel. So, because everyone's gonna buy diesels and then we're never gonna sell anything else or any diesel. So we need to, we need to stop this right now. And that's exactly what happens with that kind of stuff. Remember when the, when the Equinox when the Chevy Equinox was redesigned and it came out in like 2010, 11, mm-hmm. it boasted a thousand kilometers to a tank of fuel. Did that was the really? big thing was a thousand or 1100 kilometers to a tank of fuel. It was some ridiculous number, like ridiculous number for a, for a vehicle of that size, like for this mini, mini, mini like this small size SUV. I know someone who bought one purely because of that. Oh yeah, it's supposed to get this ridiculous, ridiculous mileage. I don't think they ever got 400 kilometers to a tank of fuel. I was going to say, I worked at a place that had a couple of those. Yeah. They were crap on yeah, gas. Yeah, my wife has a Terrain, which is DMC Terrain, which yeah. is the same vehicle. She gets my half ton Chevy truck with the big 6.2 liter V8 engine yeah. gets better mileage than her Terrain. And yeah, he so he buys this thing and he had it to the dealership. They changed engines. They did all sorts of things to this thing. It never got better than like four, four fifty to a tank of fuel. <laughs> he was livid. He says, "I will never buy another GM again." I says, "That was that was propaganda bull." Yeah. He says it wouldn't have got that kind of mileage downhill with a tailwind. For three days, it wouldn't have got that kind of mileage. Like there was just no way it was going to get a no. thousand kilometers to a tank of fuel. Even if the tank was double the size, it wouldn't even have got no, that. No, you know. But th- but again, it, like my wife's car, we when we test drove it, it's hers has the V6 in it. Yeah, we test drove some four cylinder ones. Well, the four cylinder ones get the same. We're rated to get basically the same mileage. Yeah, and they have no power. I know. Well, that's why they don't get any mileage. The thing works so hard to all lug, the time to, to lug, lug the car that. around. And that's, you know, I've had this conversation with a lot of people too. It's, it's kind of sickening with new cars. It's, it's the weight of things. And, yeah. you know, it's not about having a horsepower war. No. They can take a motorcycle. I, I got an uncle who's big into bikes, uh, owns a shop in Moose Jaw. You know, they can take a motorcycle and they can pare down every little piece on it, gram by gram, yeah. to reduce the weight, to increase that power to weight ratio. Yeah. So instead of just making it more powerful, just cut the friggin' weight out of it, do yeah. some engineering, and you got you got a V6 that that one in your wife's has got like what 295 horsepower, well, something I'm, ridiculous. Yeah, I don't even think it's not even that much, but it but Two, it, maybe it's 270. It's, yeah. it's that's a lot of power though. 270 yeah. horsepower is plenty of power. Yeah. If you could lose a thousand pounds, yeah, you'd have a real mover. Well, 
like those Chevy Trailblazers, like the one that I had, that's a full frame vehicle. Mm-hmm. It was heavy. It weighed 4,000 pounds or some ridiculous thing. It had 270 horsepower with that inline six, but 270 horsepower wasn't an, and the torque I think was, was very comparable, Yeah, but it weighs 4,000 pounds. It's just too much for that engine. Mm-hmm. Like a half ton truck in the sixties that had an inline six that only would have had 200 horsepower. Maybe, maybe like that's probably even being a little bit generous. But that truck only weighed four thousand pounds, well, or less, or, or less. even less. Yeah, you know, you know, or even. But less. here you got this this smaller SUV with this big full frame underneath it, and you know, it's just a heavy vehicle all around. Lots of glass in it, all that kind of thing. They make the vehicle so heavy that the poor engine just struggles to move it anywhere. I know. If they they cut some weight, honestly, yeah. honestly, you could take all these cars yeah. that make. Well, where's half the weight come from? How much wire is in a car now? Yeah. You go around the earth and back to the sun three times with some of the wire that's in some of these cars. Yep. Like it's just, re- it's unreal how much is in miles and miles and miles and miles of wire in one car. So, I mean, there's lots of weight there. It doesn't feel like weight when you're holding the wire by itself. No. But it's a lot of it's wire. A lot of, it's, it's a lot, lot of weight, weight in the wiring. Yeah. My old Buick doesn't even have power windows or power locks. There isn't even one of those little rubber boots in between the door and the yeah. frame. There's nothing. The door's empty. Yeah. It's got a, a window winder, like a crank, yeah. a piece of glass. And a, a door cover. What like, size engines in your car? 430. 430. That's yeah. a fairly, in this day, that's a big oh, that's engine. That's a big block, yeah. That's a big engine. Yeah. But that car, you cruise that car down the highway, it probably gets really good mileage for a car of that size of, of that age. It does. Like, compared to other cars of the era. Yeah, yeah. I can get, I can squeak out like 18 or 20 miles to the yeah. gallon. And that's amazing when you think about a truck of the same age would have been getting five. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. But you like you take a even take a smaller car like even okay, so take my Oldsmobile Cutlass for example. Yep. That's a smaller car around the same area as your car. Yep. Um I can get about 18. Yep. But it has really tall gear. Mhm. So it revs really low on the highway. But if you had a Chevelle or a GTO yep. that has way different gear, you're not even coming close to that. No. And it's all like the car is virtually the same car. That's right. I, I laugh because people always look at my car. You know, it's 20 feet long and it's, yeah. it's big and huge. They expect it to be a gas guzzler. And they expect it. Oh, that must weigh a shitload. Yeah. Well, it's not light. Well, like it's it, big it car. weighs 4,700 pounds. Yeah. But, okay, my mother-in-law has a Ford Taurus. Yeah. A 2011. Yeah. All-wheel drive. Massaging seats, heated rear seats. I mean, it's a luxury liner, yeah. but it's it, it looks smaller than my big Buick. Yeah, it weighs fifty five hundred pounds. Yeah, right. So, like, what I'm saying is, as a much smaller engine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, what I'm saying is, you know, like, it, you'd think they would have worked on getting these things lighter, but actually, they've they've really just gotten heavier. Yeah, they really have just yeah. gotten heavier. Yeah, my car is not light, but if you compare it to a new car, like, holy crap, it's it's lighter oh, than it's some unreal. of these. Real. But, it, but it's empty. If you think about it, the back end of my car is, it's like a, you know, it's a frame and there's yeah. some fenders and there's nothing else in it. There's a yeah. little bit of wire that go to the brake lights and well, yeah. that's it. Yeah. There's nothing in it. So and I, and the, everything is so packed now. Yeah. Well, and I know there's lots of like, um, you know, stuff in new cars. There's lots of safety stuff. Yeah. Like airbags, all that stuff always has weight to it's it. And, weight. I, and, and I get it. Yeah. But. Yeah, you're right. Like, and they could do a lot, like by just 
changing the way they build cars. Mm-hmm. Well, it to, that would save tons, tons of weight, tons of weight. Cut down on some weight, and you'd have rockets. A with the power yeah. we've got, and you'd actually get the fuel economy numbers that they want to yeah. get. Right. Well, that's the thing. Like now, their big thing is as well. We'll get fuel mileage. We're going to make a transmission have nineteen thousand speeds. Yeah, nineteen thousand gears. Like all they do is set that thing up for failure because all these new transmissions, all the big automakers are having huge transmission problems. You have a transmission that's shifting and 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 shifting constantly. Like transmissions only when the transmission's built in the factory, it has X number of shifts in it right from factory and no transmissions the same. And it can be any number. It could be five. It could be 5 million. Yep. But everyone has. And so every time it shifts, that's one tick. It loses one. One. Yeah. One down, one down, one. So you get a transmission that has 10 speeds and it's shifting and shifting and shifting over and over again. And like we on the prairies here, we don't even have big steep hills like no. they do in lots of places. Like where I grew up, the one town I lived in for a while was called Ladysmith. It's built on the side of a hill. <laughs> and the hill is not a small hill. There's, it's a hill that when it snows, there's only one way to get to the top. There's like 10 streets that go up that hill, but there's only one street that you can use to get to the top. <laughs> because once it snows, you're not going up any of those other ones. They're way too steep. So you think about other places. I know. Like than, than here with the hills and the, and the you know, ravines and all these other little things. Shifting and shifting and shifting. It, it, transmission wears itself out so fast it's... And you throw it in a truck and you're towing something with it. Well, exactly. And that's even harder on it when yeah. it's, while it's doing that shifting action, yeah. right? So uh, it's... Yeah. I, back, yeah. to the, back to the setup to fail, yeah, you know, and exactly. not meant to last, yeah. really. Exactly. Buy a new one I mean, four yeah, years. okay, I get it. The 10 speeds supposedly uses the power from the engine more efficiently. Well, then why isn't it getting 35 miles to the gallon? Aha, see? But it's not. Oh, wait exactly. a minute. Why isn't it? Why isn't it? Yeah. Why is my, why is my 1969 Oldsmobile Cutlass with, a, with an automatic three-speed transmission mm-hmm. and my car weighs probably, you know, it'd be lighter than my truck, but it's probably about 3,000 3, pounds probably. Yeah, maybe 35, whatever. Yeah, 35. So, I mean, it's a pretty heavy car, but why is my car getting... 18 miles per gallon on the highway and my truck only getting 15 <laughs> and it's 50 years newer right like what are what are what are we doing wrong we're doing something wrong i think there's more to the story than just doing something wrong i think yeah. there's more you know there's got to be more factors that play like you said that the diesel company yeah. the, the oh, gasoline the, companies the ma- well they're all they're that, all involved right i know that like i was reading somewhere too I was reading in I can't remember it was one of it was an auto magazine and they were talking about that um, car manufacturers are required to have cars get a certain amount of mileage yep. like they have a, and their, a mandate and their fleet has to meet the yeah, numbers yeah their fleet has to meet it but all they really need to do is have one in that fleet or two in that fleet that fall within what they need yeah and the rest could kind of be elsewhere so they'll make a Chevy Spark. That gets or their, 35 miles per gallon. Their bolt, that hybrid thing. Yeah. yeah. And then they get their bolt that does the hybrid. And, you know, so that takes their, it, their numbers. Their average. Their average and puts the average where it needs to be up, yeah. instead of, but they don't sell nearly as many of those. 
they sell all the other things that are really hard on fuel. It, it, it answers the question why the hell they built an electric car and called it a Mustang. Ford, right? I mean, yeah. Everybody's scratching their head. It should be called a Ford Galaxy. It's an electric car. Like, well, well, why would you ruin that name? But my point is, though, that that, that gets, like, it's, it's zero fuel, right? Yeah. It's electricity. So it, it skyrockets the average. Yeah. Because what is the, the number one vehicle sold around the world, North America? It's the Ford F-150. Yeah. It is the number one selling vehicle on the planet. Yeah. Bar none. And there's going to be an electric F-150, yeah. right? So those things, like, help the numbers because they have to change the average because yeah. it's it's all F-150s that they're selling, yeah. right? And they're yeah. all – most guys are still buying V8s. They're still putting 5-liter V8s into them. They're not ordering yeah. them with the, you know, well. the, the double, the double uh, twin-charged V6. Yeah. Well, and again, what's the longevity on that engine? Yeah, well, we don't know, you know? But we know a five liter V eight is going to go a long time. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, they've been building five liter. You know, they've been building V eights for years. Yeah, and and you know, but again, they went from being very simple engine that was reasonably re- like they're reasonably reliable. Yeah. All these new engines they're building, the reliability should be through the roof, and it's not. I know. This is they make them so complicated with so much other crap going on inside them. <laughs> it doesn't need to be there. It's not helping the fuel mileage that much. No. They could do a lot more with really good computer programming and... And cutting weight. And cutting weight. You know, they've already cut weight. Like, the engines are mostly aluminum now. Like, that's a huge cut in the weight. But, so why isn't this truck getting 35 miles per gallon? It should be. Every half-ton truck out there should... Gas-powered truck should be able to get 35 miles per gallon. There's really no reason why it shouldn't. Yeah. And it doesn't need to have a 20-speed transmission to do it. But they just, you know... They just build things the way they build things for a reason. So, <laughs> what we're getting at is go buy an old truck. Yeah, right? I mean, go buy an old car. Yeah, because they I'd... had this. They had this crap figured out a long time ago. Yeah, well, they they figured out like the only reason why an older car with 400 horsepower didn't get good mileage just because the guy couldn't keep his foot out of the throttle. That's it wasn't. Right. It wasn't because. Because he liked how it sounded when he went under the underpass. Like, like, it's not because it wasn't capable. It was quite capable. If you did the right gear ratios and things like that, you could get mileage out of old cars. Yeah, I know. For sure you could. They, they totally could. Yeah. They totally could. So go buy an old car and save the, save the old cars. And yeah. You want to save the environment? Buy an old car. Yeah, Like, really? You really think about it? You want to save the environment? Buy an older car. Don't buy a brand new car. Like, yep. Really. I know. Because its its lifespan is going to go on a long time. Yeah, it's paid for its you know sins. Well, could call it that way. Yeah. You know, a long time ago. Well, there's a lot less. There's a lot less petroleum products in an old car than there is in a new one. <laughs> there sure is. So if you want to save the environment and you don't want to build a pipeline and you don't want to do all that <laughs> crap, well, don't build a pipeline. It's bad for the environment, and we got to stop digging in the oil sands because it's bad for the environment. Well, you better go buy an old car. Because an old car has virtually no petroleum products in it. That's it's right. all, the interior was fabric, cardboard, metal, metal, glass, glass. New cars are plastic and plastic and plastic <laughs> and plastic. <laughs> I know. And where and what is plastic made out of? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thanks for joining me, Darren. <laughs> this has been a lot of fun. I love it. We've just kind of been all over the place, but thanks for telling your story about, you know, well, where you came from and everything like that. Yeah. So, well, that's awesome. I had I a hope blast. We can do it again. 
You bet. And thank you for listening to Bald Tires, a proud member of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. Join us uh, as often as we can. We try to get a new podcast every week, and we'll be back again then. Thanks for listening to Bald Tires, because when you make great memories, you make bald tires.